1: Welcome to Reasonable Doubts, the radio show and podcast for those who won't just take things on faith. Coming to you from Grand Rapids, Michigan, you can find us online at www.doubtcast.org or those of you in West Michigan can listen to us on Public Reality Radio, WPRR, Ada Grand Rapids and W237CZ Hudsonville, 1680 AM and 95.3 FM. Or you can listen streaming at publicrealityradio.org. My name is Dave Fletcher, and I'm not a witch. With me in the studio are my fellow Doubtcasters, Jeremy Behan. Yellow. And Dr.
2: Professor Luke Gatland I'm only not only not a witch, I'm you.
1: Wow. That's terrifying.
0: <laughs> to me, the whole I'm you saying was, was way more creepy than if she would have <laughs> just was. said,
1: I'm a witch. <laughs> I'm you. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to be her. In this episode, we've got a new edition of God Thinks Like You, the religious rights response to the recent spate of young people committing suicide after being bullied. Uh, The Crystal Cathedral declares bankruptcy and we've got A Stranger Than Fiction. So you don't
0: want to say anything about the newest little uh, nonbeliever? Oh,
1: sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah, this is actually the first episode we've recorded since about a month ago when Mm -hmm. uh, the latest arrow in my quiver fall – Came into the world. Yes, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. And, uh, she uh, ain't here. I thought we were going to bring her. Yeah, she's she's been to the studio.
0: She's not ready to be miked just yet. No,
1: no, no. Uh, her name is Valkyrie Vega Fletcher. Um, and uh, just as a slight tip of the hat to Carl Sagan, Vega her middle name comes from uh, the star in the movie and book Contact, Aww. where the signal was
2: first picked up. Not Aww. the Chevy car from the 70s? Not the car. No, no. <laughs> she's, so, she's boxing with a rumble seat. Yeah.
0: Now, now, this is your first biological child. This is
2: my first bio kid.
0: doesn't really make any difference as to your role as a father, uh, of course. But what it does mean is that you now have a Darwinian edge over Luke and I
2: yes,
1: but,
0: as being the first outcaster to successfully propagate his genes into the next generation. Absolutely. I've
2: been experimenting with human in feline splicing, so I don't know if that
1: counts at all. <laughs> Ew. Uh, yeah, that's that's so icky. um But uh yeah, so so our little uh, non-believer is. Uh, in the world now, and and her very first dirty diaper was my very first dirty diaper I've ever changed. Oh yeah, that's so right. There's really no way you can press this Oh so. No, no, there really isn't. Uh, so this is all new for me and terrifying. But uh, so far I haven't dropped her. So, so it's well, green oh, because
2: of yeah. the something about the liver and the cells that have been accumulating during gestation. I've heard.
1: Yeah. yeah, this I is why it's this.
0: green. I
2: yeah. think so. Okay. It's
0: not because you're feeding them.
2: It's curry or well, something. Well, <laughs> it ain't because they had a burrito last
1: night. I can tell you that. <laughs> Actually, and we're di- digressing quite a bit. The first ones are quite black. Um, black like her soul. The the marconium <laughs> poops, and then after that, because she's uh, solely breastfed, um, she now she poops about once a day, and it is horrific. It's like yellow and all over the place.
0: Sweet. I want yeah. to propose a new uh, a new. <laughs> Segment on well, the show from now on.
1: Yeah. Poops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything you wanted to know about poop, uh, but we're afraid to ask. I'm
1: becoming an expert. Um, speaking of being experts on things, uh, uh, atheists and agnostics appear to be more expert on religious subjects than religious people do. Atheists know more about religion than religious people do.
2: Um, Shocking.
1: I know I'm appalled. That means
2: the term agnostic is mm. a lie because that means without knowledge. So. Oh, good point. Mm, yes. Mm. They they do have knowledge. They're hiding it just as we suspect. Right. Yeah, this is a
1: a survey from the, the Pew Forum. Pew Research Center. It's a, It's a, They're pretty pretty credible
2: source for for this type of information. It's especially useful because they do they do what's called in sampling oversampling. They get they especially target small percentages so they can have something meaningful to say about those people.
1: Right, and this was a survey that was given a 32 question survey, and I think the 32 is is just the questions that relate to religion. There were some general knowledge questions as Nick well. Johnson, yeah. who wrote Moby Dick, that sort of thing, and the atheist agnostic group. Um, scored about 20.9, which is the highest percentage.
2: Out of 32, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Out of 32. uh, Jewish people, 20.5, so very close. And this kind of surprised me. Mormons were 20.3, so right up there with uh, Jewish and atheist and agnostic.
0: Mm -hmm. It it did surprise me too, but as I was thinking about it, I was thinking maybe it shouldn't have, because to be a member in good standing with the Mormon church – as you become an adult, you are required to do mission training,
1: right? right you know, that's work. absolutely true.
0: And so, from that alone, I'm sure that's going to get their score up a little bit.
1: Yeah, the lowest um, score was Hispanic Catholics at 11.6. So there's there's quite a distance between the highest percentage and the lowest percentage, Um, the way it broke down on on particular questions was pretty interesting too, I thought. At least two-thirds of people know, and this is from all of them, that public school teachers cannot lead class in prayer. Okay. Um, That's 89%. Uh, 82% of people knew that Mother Teresa was Catholic. Way to go. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, only 71% knew Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That seems kind of low for something people. Yeah, a lot like thought he
0: was born in Jerusalem. Right. right? According to Stephen Prothrow and past studies, Jews have done much better on certain elements of Jesus' life, like wh- where was he born, Jerusalem or Bethlehem, right. than even Christians have.
1: Yeah, yeah. About half of people, um, 55% knew that the golden rule is not one of the Ten Commandments. Fifty-four percent – and this, again, seems shockingly low – knew that the Quran is the Islamic holy book. Really? Do these people ever turn on the news? Or well, They're going to be I in mean, danger of burning the wrong thing. Yeah, No kidding. Fifty-one percent knew Joseph Smith was Mormon. Uh, Forty-seven, the Dalai Lama was Buddhist um, or is Buddhist. Only 46 percent knew that Martin Luther inspired the Reformation. Forty-five could name the four Gospels – And then here we get into the less than a third group. Less than a third. 27 percent of people knew that most people in Indonesia are Muslim. Uh, The only question that I got wrong on the quiz and I took the whole quiz. uh, There was one that I guessed correctly that I didn't know. And the one that I actually got wrong was that Jonathan Edwards participated in the first Great Awakening. Did both of you guys know that?
2: Yeah. I know you did, Luke. It's referring to the to I, John I Kerry's have. running mate, uh, John Edwards, who <laughs> he, impregnated yes, him. Yes. It was when right. he woke up after impregnating her and <laughs> had to leave the hotel room. <laughs> first rude awakening, the, I the think. Great, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I'm sure I would have paused on that one. Yeah. But th- I think I would have gotten
1: it. That right. was the only one that I got wrong. Uh Myomedes was Jewish. That was that was one mm-hmm. that I guessed correctly.
2: Maimonides. 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 See, I
1: don't, I don't he, know this stuff. Uh, he wrote really one of the first creeds in Judaism. And, and that's what I found out as I read Research him, but the rest of these
2: questions are kind of idiotic. yeah they're really really they're basic simple. doctrines that people uh, of their faith should like you know like like you would assume catholics would know that transubstantiation refers to but the a lot actual, of them didn't but a lot of them didn't a lot of them
0: didn't i wouldn't expect most people to even be able to put indonesia on a map much less know that it's muslim so. oh but
2: it
1: sounds muslim
0: i mean you should you should know that
1: well,
2: well since we know <laughs> you that, should, since man. we know that barack obama is a muslim and he lived there <laughs> Um, so yeah, clearly this is what we uh, call in in scaling having a uh, uh, having a mixture of these hard and easy items. This is referred to as like a gutman scale, where you have an increasing difficulty IQ test, or sometimes like that, where you right. start off easy, like what colors are in the flag, and then you have like hard <laughs> ones, like you know my nom- my mom- these. But um, the uh, the interesting thing then that that the headline that was really blaring out of all these alerts from the study was that atheist agnostics were the highest, right? And that as we said, most people. Uh, a lot of people in, even in their own religions didn't know the items associated with their religions and mm-hmm. that uh, and that people who are more – I guess we would think of them as being biblically literalistic, Pentecostals right. uh, and conservative types. Like the denominations, like you mentioned, like black Protestant and Hispanic pro- uh, uh, Catholics Netflix, were, yeah. were somewhat low. But even the ones that are – like evangelicals did a little bit better than mainline Protestants and probably because we've t- – as we've discussed before, a lot of mainline Protestants are sort of like wishy-washy. It's not right. really yeah. intellectually They're lackadaisical. You know? So are
0: evangelicals but they have – the fundamentalists are a lot of times evangelicals too. Right. Yeah, right. and
2: so when you break down the items, they added some things like Bible items but also – these these 32 questions are a mixture of Bible items but also world religions like we talked about, right. like name a. a uh, Hindu holy book and then some general information. I don't, know that
1: he, he, I don't think it even got as complicated as a Hindu holy book. I think it was the Quran. No,
2: they, in the extended yeah, version. The was was yeah. there really?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, just name a single Hindu.
2: Oh, yeah. I knew oh, that one. Is it the Darth <laughs> Veda's? Yeah, that's right. The Darth <laughs> Veda's. <laughs> or the Baghdad Gita. I mean, come oh. on, you people.
1: Don't you know these things? I recommend the Ramayana, but
2: I like their noodles. What played out was that the evangelicals did – the only reason that they're that high is my point, that they were like 17.6 out of 32. Is A lot of those were associated with their religion, but they knew virtually nothing about non-Christian religions.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I thought was a little deceptive about how this was covered in the media was when they're talking about Bible knowledge and everything, it it, it came across as atheists know Christianity better than Christians do. Right, right. If you looked just at the quizzing on Bible knowledge and mm-hmm. Christianity, the atheists and agnostics did not perform as well as the Christians there overall. Was, they just, it was after you factored in all the information the world
2: on religions world
1: religions religion, and everything ex- else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They had a, there was uh, knowledge of the Bible. There was seven correct, and atheists and agnostics got 4.4. 4. Yeah. Uh, white evangelicals got 5.1. White mainlines got 3.9. So we still were higher than the right. than mainlines. So yeah. it's still not. Yeah. And Catholics. But and
0: still, for atheists who are rushing to right. pat themselves on the back about how we know the Bible better sure. than Christians, that simply is not what the study I think said.
1: A, I mean, one of the reasons that the percentage is so high for atheists and that we do find many atheists, ourselves included, I think, who know the Bible better than a lot of mainline Christians is because we started out there. And a lot of atheists came to atheism by studying other religions and saying, no, this isn't this isn't working, um, as opposed to a lot of religious people who are kind of default. Yeah.
2: The the um, yeah. The, the other thing is that, that they found was one of the best predictors was obviously education. Yep. Yeah. And so the more schooling you have, the more you got right across the board, and that's one of the reasons why Jews and Mormons. Were higher too, and because this is because they tend I,
1: to have higher levels of education. Yeah. yeah. So
2: what I thought was valuable about the survey was that they they did what's called multiple regression, where it's a statistical technique where you can say all other things equal, holding them mm-hmm. constant, what is the effect of education, you right. know, sex, region? But and here's the thing that I think we should uh, remember too: even when they held education constant, yeah, atheists and agnostics still did better. That is, mm-hmm. even accounting for the fact that atheists and agnostics tend to be more college educated, they yes. still and they still had higher knowledge on these things.
0: And that's that's important too. I, I saw Penn Gillette on um, CNN debating with somebody over this. And in fact, he was taking kind of a humble position. He could have taken mm-hmm. this as, as a chance to say, well, yeah, of course atheists know more about religion than believers and that sort of thing. But instead he was saying, no, I think this is really just overall atheists tend to be educated and that's probably what's explaining the difference there. But right. the, the study – did actually in fact control for that and there was still as you said even controlling for education.
2: And this is one thing that I looked at in detail that that would inform that about how much of is is that they're formerly religious, how much is that the education. If you look at Wade buried in the back they had these tables about the effect of religious commitment, Mm -hmm. all of the things equal, that is to the degree to which you feel religion is important and it was actually one of those curve relationships that I'm always talking about. The people with the highest religious commitment did in fact have more questions right on knowledge Mm -hmm. and the People that had none, none at all, the atheist agnostics had higher knowledge. It was the wishy-washy middle part that was the lowest. So you know, there's there's
0: that saddle again. God, we keep on seeing that coming up. I know it.
2: So it's possible that you could get a high score on knowledge for different reasons. The religiously committed and the and the uh, people who are biblically literalistic probably get high scores because they read about it a lot and it's important to them. Right. The people like us probably get high scores because of things like education, but also, like Dave said, because we've we've had to learn and that's the process of disengagement. We had to know enough about something to not believe it. Right.
1: And I think too, and, and correct me if I'm I'm off track here, but I think when you see atheist, agnostic, Jewish, and Mormon at the top of the list, those are. Small groups, those are minority groups, and a lot of times the minorities are are put in a position where they have to or um, simply absorb more of the majority culture um, than the majority culture does of the minority because we have to learn either to defend ourselves or we 're just inundated with. Bible stories and that sort of thing constantly. You no, have to that, be able to tell
2: people why we don't believe what the mainstream
1: exactly. believes. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But they also found out that people who'd switched religions at some point had higher knowledge too, which again Makes implies sense. that yeah. if you you have to know something about something to switch, otherwise you just stick with your default mode. Mm-hmm.
0: So if we keep on seeing this saddle relationship over and over again, uh, we, we saw that with morality, mm-hmm. right, uh, good Good Samaritan studies. It was the very religiously committed and the very non-religiously committed that would actually do service for somebody in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a place of need. Uh, we saw that with life, life satisfaction. Now we're again seeing this with religious literacy. Should we be like shifting our opinion of who the real problem is in society? I mean is it just – is the real issue – just the the vast non-committal people in the in the middle who just have absolutely no apathy. interest in right. reality or truth or anything at all. I mean, is that is that who we should be targeting? I,
1: I think apathy breeds more apathy. You know, if they're apathetic about big issues like uh, you know religion and and uh, cosmology and so forth, then they're then they're more apathetic when it comes to. Helping out other
2: people and so forth. I think people can be problems for different reasons. And I think that if, it's like, true, for, right. for example, if you're walking down the street and you, and, and you get into a conversation about God with somebody who's never particularly thought about it, you scale it back a bit and you ease them and you say, well, yeah. you know, did you know that the Gospels are written from each other or after Jesus? Whereas if you're dealing with William Lane Craig or some apologist, you ramp it up a bit. Those people are problems for different reasons. One person's yeah. a problem because they hadn't thought about it, they don't particularly care, it's not relevant to them. The other person's a, pro- a problem because they've armed themselves to be an advocate for a point of view and you have to right. p- do a different tactic so in the in the areas like you talked about like in general life areas of morality and and things like that people are problems In one way, because they might be apathetic, because they go with the flow. They Mm -hmm. just—I don't know—I don't think about it. Whatever people tell me to do. But other people are problems because they're the leaders, and they uh, are—they've learned to be a certain way. These are, you know, the the apologists and the the intellectuals. Those are the people that we kind of do battle with more so on this podcast, for a different reason, and that's because they've thought about it and they sort of are willfully motivated to be guarded against, you know, reality. Right.
0: I just say that because uh, having sit in on so many free thinkers, drinking conversations at the pub, you know, skeptics at the pub and that sort of thing. Uh, there is this kind of attitude like nobody changes their mind anyways, uh, live and let live type of thing. And as long as you're keeping it to yourself and you're all private in your belief. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it just strikes me from a lot of the studies that we've looked at over the entire course of this podcast, it's that it's a uh, It's actually the people who are committed to some sort of ideal, some sort of virtue and are willing to argue for it and learn about the other side that regardless of what side they're on, those tend to be the people that you can maybe trust a little bit more sometimes, Mm -hmm. whereas it's people who have no commitments are much more likely to conform. They're much more likely to just go along with what society is, is doing. Whether it's good or not,
2: See, <laughs> they're both. much more
0: likely to just stand back while there's suffering going on in the world and not not work for change.
2: Yeah, I, I've encountered both of those in, in classrooms. And the, and again, I would say that they're, they're problems for different reasons. I get irritated with conformists who don't bother to read things and aren't particularly intellectual yep. and don't know facts and they who have never don't – you know, who just say, "Why should I learn that?" But I'm also bothered by people who are motivated to be skeptical. We just had a recent thing on campus where one of the guys was supporting gay uh, reorientation therapy,
1: uh-huh. who, who
2: had been in my class, and we had learned about. Are the they studies. reorienting
1: people to be gay?
2: He was standing out in the in the quad area and handing out literature, saying that um, that it, as a kind of a counter thing to Coming Out Day, uh-huh. saying that it is possible to change, and that that the groups like the National Association of Reparative Therapy right. were correct. And I felt bad because he was in my class, and we had learned about literature. Oh. I give them literature on, on, the, on both sides, and then let them read about it, and then you know hopefully guide them to the conclusion that one side has more of a weight of evidence. Right. but what people like that do is that they learn just enough they scrutinize the literature, and they 're motivated mm-hmm. to be skeptical about about information they disagree with right. and so I think those people. In, uh, that are apathetic and, and back, bringing it back to what we're talking about. Apathy is a problem, but also being a, a skeptic motivated to attack just one side is a problem as well.
0: Yeah, or being so committed to a position that you are inflexible, you're unwilling to change in the light of new evidence. Because
2: so. this, that's relevant to what we take on Dogmatism,
0: this. I guess, isn't a <laughs> virtue either. Right.
2: right. This, this knowledge survey, a lot of people, it led to some talk about what what we should do. Should we A, teach people more about religion you know, in school so that they mm-hmm. are more religiously literate? That's a partial solution, but what it, what it might do is in some cases is simply give them more information to say, oh, yeah, if you, if you teach them about just religious facts, they'll use it to bolster their view. So I think a little bit of a knowledge is a dangerous thing. A lot of knowledge is better than a little bit.
1: I agree. Yeah, it's tricky because we certainly do need better religious education, and, and one thing that leads people to be skeptical is good religious education. Uh, it, was, it was one of the factors for me was I got a fairly good... You know, considering hey, I went to a Christian school, education and world religions.
2: Yeah. Knowledge without – factual knowledge without critical thinking though is is a bad thing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and it leads to – or in some cases it leads to a certain like kind of engineer or shopkeeper mentality where you have a lot of facts and figures but you don't right. ever integrate it within a broader worldview critique. Exactly. Uh, to examine your own knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean if you – the stereotype of these engineers of people who are brilliant and can do calculus and whatever. But – they compartmentalize that from stuff they believe mm-hmm. or people who are uh, – who just know enough to make money and then they go home and have their beliefs. The, the, right. the knowledge has to be self-referential. It has mm-hmm. to be knowledge about how you know stuff.
0: Right. We see this dealing with apologists all the time, uh, the, the approach is many times. Memorize your talking points and political pundits as well. Uh, memorize your talking points. Memorize a response to everything the other side is going to say plausibly and then just stick to that script that's not real thinking that's just memorizing and regurgitating that's believing in a proposition it's not knowing how logic or critical thinking actually work
1: I, I sense a note of bitterness in your voice Jeremy is this perhaps related to a recent experience you had not the one you're thinking of actually oh really and there's another one
0: <laughs> you're probably thinking of my debate that I was, aired so was last time. One thing that most certainly does come out of this study is that although the United States is by far one of the most religious nations, that's religious as far as belief goes. <laughs> when it comes to religious knowledge, we're actually pretty pitiful.
2: Well, I think what it shows at a minimum is that that religious knowledge and religious belief are two different things, or, mm. or at least that they co-vary without necessarily being re- linked to each other, that somebody mm-hmm. could essentially say, which might be – to people like us, this really is foreign, but a lot of people say I believe something without necessarily knowing what it is fully that they believe. I be, in other words, I believe in the Bible. It's God's word. It's his perfect plan. Not quite sure what's in it for whatever reason. And again, we, I find this an odd way of thinking that they, there's an emotional commitment to something as being a worldview without necessarily the content yeah. involved yeah. in knowing what's all stipulated in that worldview.
0: And so I guess the question is how does this come about? And I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I'm just
0: willing to say that. <laughs> well, okay. End of episode. That was quick. Uh, yeah, we could, we could really get out of the studio at record time if we were to just do that on everything. Yeah, I, I don't know. In the end, making a people an would an stop listening. Show. The committed agnostic.
1: <laughs> don't know.
0: But I've been reading a book by Stephen Prothero.
1: Who's coming to Grand Rapids.
0: Yeah, he'll be speaking in Grand Rapids next week. I can't remember the exact date. have
2: seen him. He's played a big role in that recent PBS series with the American Experience on Religion in America. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. That Mm -hmm. was
2: commissioned by, I think, the same people that we've been talking about, like the the Pew Forum Mm -hmm. and sponsored by some of the PBS things to over three episodes cover a history of religion in America, political, different movements, different groups, all the way through the modern times, the Supreme Court and such. And he was – It looked to me like they based a lot of it on his own writings and things Mm -hmm. about how religion and Jesus and Christianity has played a role in different movements and groups throughout American history.
0: His book Religious Literacy, I think the subtitle is What Americans Don't Know About Religion But Should or Mm -hmm. something to that effect. I think
1: that's it,
2: yeah. And I read his previous book, American Jesus. I might have mentioned that in the show. He had a book called American Jesus about oh, how yeah, Jesus yeah. has been transformed right. over the, the ages to go from, for example, 100 years ago he was associated the with liberal, liberal causes. Yep. Yeah, as in, uh, as in uh, prohibition and social justice, and then now obviously he's associated with the right. Uh, on this political gun-toting
0: spectrum. Jesus, yeah, that's
2: right. The uh, there's these pi- pictures he shows of the scrapper boxing Jesus. This guy guy named I think Stephen Sawyer. He shows Jesus looking a lot like Ted Nugent, very buff, <laughs> kind of ang- kind of like out there to kick ass for your soul. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so there's all these different incarnations. Jesus with a mullet, and he's riding a dinosaur. <laughs> yes. I think I don't know yeah. if it was that one. No. But, but his point with that one was that throughout American history, Jesus has morphed into whatever we needed him to be yeah. uh, in particular mm-hmm. groups. At, Times in history.
0: Well, in religious literacy, Prothro tries to trace how this all happened—that we both thrived in our a level of belief as a nation and really bottomed out in our level of religious knowledge. He gives a kind of a thumbnail sketch of what he of what he believes played a role, and he acknowledges at the very beginning that we just we don't have polling data on this. Right. So unfortunately, we can't go back a couple hundred years and even measure religious literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be very difficult. But nevertheless, he believes there's, there are historical trends that we can look at and see how it changed the character of American religion. And he, of course, he starts off by talking about how the major school books for educating any child in the colonies were the New England Primer, Webster's Speller, uh, the McGuffey Reader. All of these books tried to teach reading, arithmetic, spelling – just about anything. A is
2: for Adam, who's the first man. Yeah,
0: by using hmm. biblical stories, right. biblical characters, and and doctrines of Christianity. A lot of times these were even sectarian. A lot of times they were Calvinist. Mm-hmm. P um, is
2: for papists, the people that we should <laughs> fight against. Exactly.
0: Um, so right from the beginning, you know, just normal education was religious education. Right. There, there was very little difference between them.
2: And he points and he, out like people like Lincoln and whoever were basically schooled with Shakespeare in one hand and the Bible in the other mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that's how they learned their linguistic skills is right. to use me- biblical metaphors and, and yeah. uh, phrases and things.
0: He talks a lot about uh, Puritanism being the dominant religious impulse in, uh, in the United States at the very beginning. Of course, ser- Puritan sermons being almost little – instruction courses in theology
2: for I two mean, hours
0: yeah yeah a, a lot of, hands of, of an angry expounding God. on doctrines a lot of you know no personal testimonies no, no happy little stories or, or metaphors I mean hardcore grilling in the scriptures no, always imagine like a,
2: a Ben Stein droning on for two hours on a cold church bench Yeah, it? as we see in Malachi chapter <laughs> 3 no
1: references to uh, oh, family circus which is uh, what I got a lot as a kid <laughs>
0: Or, uh, or the Monty Python meaning of life. I still love that one. Then <laughs> Jerezebel took the tent peg from Jezebel.
2: Oh, by the way, your mother died this morning. <laughs> yeah, so his uh, – and actually I was a little bit off-put by his titles. Like the, that section of the book is – titled Eden, as yeah, if as it if implies this was, yeah. that this was the good old days of the Edenic innocence where that's the way, the good old days where religion was infused in every even learning how to read and write. I wow. suppose
0: if you're a PhD in religious studies and you love the minutia of doctrine and theology, that that would seem ideal. Well, to me, that, it
2: was an apt metaphor in that Eden, to me, implies that ignorance before you've eaten well, true, the tree of knowledge. So, absolutely. you know, uh, you guys are uh, just going to stay in the garden and uh okay, I'll come back and visit <laughs> <laughs> Okay, God. Uh, God is good. I love God.
1: <laughs> He's nice again.
2: God, God sounds like the
1: dog he, from Op. <laughs> yeah,
0: What's that I was fruit? Just thinking that.
1: I've only just met you, God, but I love you. <laughs> I God. love you temporarily. <laughs> what kind of – but I ain't supposed to eat
2: that fruit. Oh, no. What have you done? I don't know, but something bad. <laughs> Clearly, the the Eden, with Eden comes a fall, and the fall was by those (laughs) nasty people who took. The Bible out of right, school. Right, in
0: the mm-hmm. 1960s came the fall with that, Madeline Marie O'Hare Really? It the went Bible. all the way well, from <laughs> the Puritans yeah. to 1960s? No, he
2: actually – would say even no. that Catholics – that because Catholics said, hey, these books are being used to indoctrinate Protestants against us. We are going to set yeah. up our own schools sure. if you keep this up. Okay, Catholics, we'll take a little bit of Bible and we'll tone it down a bit yep. so that you don't have your own little subversive right, school right. system.
0: Yeah, really. He, he puts the fall as early as the Second Great Awakening. So Uh,
2: essentially religious diversity was the fall. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. actually. And it was more than religious diversity. It was how they attempted to cope with the religious diversity. So he talks about in the second great awakening. So we're beginning. So we're talking about the very early 1800s. You have these series of revival movements. They are preferring emotion and personal experience and a relationship with Jesus over doctrines, over creeds and that sort of thing.
2: So common people would have these like tent things yeah. where they would scream and bark like dogs like Marjo type Pentecostal services yeah. and yeah. and the ministers of the traditional churches were horrified at this because it's like where's the content? Yeah. Where's the uh, where's the learning in the Bible stories? They
0: say the same thing that a lot of uh, evangelicals are saying about mega churches mm-hmm. right now that right. this is that this is just entertainment rather than religion. Right. The thing is, just like the megachurches, it worked. Church, mm-hmm. attendance, ch- church attendance doubled from the 1770s uh, to the 1850s. It doubled from, uh, from not, 17 – It's not so boring
2: anymore with the books. Now we can get to see people in skirts, roll around yeah. and
1: – And it's largely because they didn't have TV, movies or podcasts. So <laughs> they had to get out and see something. Right. This
0: was this was entertainment and it it was working. It was getting people in the seats. And so he points out this kind of anti-intellectualism in America, no, (laughs) uh, really came up with a lot of Protestants who who were actually understood exactly what they were doing Mm. and saying, yeah, you know what? Your doctorates of divinities are not getting people in the pews. It's not changing people's lives for Jesus. With this huge with this huge swell of new people in the pews, uh, the Methodists and the Baptists are winning over more converts than like the older groups, mm-hmm. like the Congregationalists and the Anglicans, groups that were really concerned about creeds, you know, confessional religious groups, un- memorizing your 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 confessions, your creeds, and all your the doctrines. real
1: buzzkill groups.
0: So with this now more emotional approach. A lot of religious diversity results Mm -hmm. and a lot of fierce competition results out of this, which led to more populism, but which also led to the rise of non-denominationalism. You for the first time start getting these groups like the American Temperance Union, the American Sunday School Union, the American Tract Society, the American Bible Society, the American Anti-Slavery Society. You get all these non-denominational groups where they're saying, you know what, we need to all kind of work together to change the world for Christ, mm-hmm. and so they have to water down their beliefs, they have to water down their doctrines, because the only way to get all these people to work together is to emphasize this tiny little core. So thing you need that to work on common. the
1: causes as opposed to the the dogma, right? Yeah. And then, of course, as Luke was saying earlier,
0: it wasn't just a move for tolerance amongst Protestants; mm-hmm. it was also intolerance towards Catholics. Right. Catholics come in and so everybody feels like we need to stop bickering against each other and fight against these nasty papists. So this fight between the Protestants and the Catholics oddly enough probably had way more to do with secularizing the schools. Than any real secularization.
2: That's what movement. I think. Whenever I hear like a Catholic arguing like, like yeah. Donahue that these things should be like they should have Bible readings in schools, everything, right. and I always think about: Do you do you even know your own history about right. my, yep. why? It's kind of like the Baptist argument against separation of church and state. Now, exactly, right. you know yeah. d- that saved you, and and <laughs> and taking the religion and all the uh, papist stuff, and and that saved the Catholics. Yeah, because otherwise you guys would have been, you know had everybody learning in school that you're the Antichrist. Uh,
1: Yeah, exactly. That was a very important factor when the Constitution was being written. And and what was the Virginia Constitution, which came first and and was kind of the model for the Constitution, was the – uh, religious separation. This was a debate that actually happened.
2: I thought about that this week when everybody was going gone, uh, you know, about uh, O'Donnell's statement where she's like, "Where is the separation <laughs> of church and state in the Constitution?" And and so these conservatives pointed out that she wasn't just ignorant; she was making a point. She's right, and she was making a point that it's not in the Constitution. But I always want to ask the people, like, and not to get off onto that, but stick with this. Which which church do you should think should be the established church right which one Let, yeah i mean they they make it seem as if it's all just you know what's wrong with having some christianity in the classrooms in the government yeah. okay which version which christianity? A mormon yeah. Cr- would yeah. you like that
0: not to stick with this but to get off on that point i do <laughs> want to say that that christine o'donnell's apologists if yeah. you actually watch that clip yeah she says show me where separation i was going to say state this. is but then he reads the establishment clause <laughs> to her <laughs> and then she repeats the establishment clause and says that's in the First that's Amendment? That's in
1: the First Amendment.
0: So she wasn't holding tight on the totally language of separation of church and, and state. No. She had no idea she, what the First Amendment she even said. She argued that
1: it was in the First Amendment.
2: Yeah. That she's was a, just bone the, Okay, But they, but they yeah. spun it afterwards to say that technically she's, right. I know she's that's correct.
1: Technically the phrase does not appear in the Constitution. And there was all these
2: op-eds saying yeah. why all these – because it was at a law school and everybody in the room was laughing at her. But the guys were saying you – know, all these op-eds were saying they're just elitists and they, they – You know, aren't recognizing that she is correct and that it was –
0: No, they're law students and they know the centuries of how the First Amendment has been interpreted and is now enshrined in our law and that includes separation of church and state.
1: Exactly. (laughs) But again, (laughs) my point was
2: is that what you can say to people like that, even if that was true, how is this going to be done practically? Uh, Are you going to – you know which which religions are going to allow if in the classroom?
0: If they did get a chance to start bringing their religion into the classroom more, in a, in a devotional sense, we're not just talking like objective religious studies, but in a devotional sense, get to teach their religion. Mm-hmm. The the amount of infighting and dispute that would come oh up, would, would tear that movement yep. apart. I want to read and from the
2: book of Tobit. Tobit? That's not in the Bible. It is in our Bible. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to read from the book of Mormon. And the thing That's is, it's
0: not, Bible. not just a bunch of smug atheist opinions that this is the case, no. because this is exactly what we already saw in our history. Mm-hmm. In order to get everybody to play nicey-nicey and get along, they had to water down the theology so much that a lot of evangelicals j- didn't didn't care for it anymore. So they <laughs> start
1: building their own schools.
0: Yeah, the, yeah, be careful like, what
2: you wish for. If we it, need
0: yeah. if we need religion that that even a unitarian could agree with. Right. This is so devoid of content that why are we bothering with this anyways? And so when the Catholics were pushing for saying, "Hey, look, even your neutral po- approach to religion" … which favors the King James Bible, which fa- favors you know certain doctrines. It's not in Latin. Right, right. This
2: is what Paul meant. No, that wasn't. When yes, they it
0: said, hey, we need public funding for our own Catholic schools, yep. then the Protestants were on the secularism kick. Uh-huh. When the Catholics lost their bid for public funding then they were on the secularism kick because hey if we can't teach the one true religion mm-hmm. then none of you guys so the the, are the rule throughout american
2: it. history is whoever happens to be in the in the minority group is the one favoring separation of church and state Right. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not religious and not religious it's, if you're in a minority you want the government to say okay okay Nobody gets to teach nothing about religion. And and yeah. and as soon as those people get in the majority though, then it's like, well, it should be, you know. Just
1: is... wait till Muslims are the majority here in the United States. Christians will suddenly be all about the separation of church and state.
2: It doesn't say anything about the Quran and the Constitution.
1: You can teach it. <laughs> I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before,
0: but I remember um, a chat going on. Of a chapel speaker at Grace Bible College at lunch afterwards, where he uh, he had stunned a lot of the other professors there by coming out as a as a secularist, saying, "Hey, I'm very pro separation of church and state." And they're like, "How could you say this?" And and he was like, "Because I lived in Utah for five years." Uh, yeah. And everybody around the table kind of breathed in and went, "Yeah, okay." I or or
2: we're in Michigan. How would you like to be in Dearborn? Yeah, right. right. Absolutely, which is you know increasingly becoming you know a Muslim majority place. Would mm-hmm. you really you know learning about that religion, local control?
0: So, anyways, according to Prothro, where where this all begins is in a religious movement that de-emphasizes the importance of doctrine and teaching in the first place, mm-hmm. and in public schooling where any kind of neutral promotion of a religion, even the most stripped down civic religion, uh, simply wasn't satisfactory. It didn't really have any chance of of surviving. So when Madeline Marie O'Hare challenged devotional prayers and and a Bible reading in the school, uh, she was really putting the last nail in the coffin
1: that yeah. that had begun only, only you're, you're as giving, a religious movement. You're giving her too much credit. She actually jumped onto another case that was already the Jehovah's um, Witnesses. You know, I think yeah. you know, I think she's a. B- yeah, <laughs> fair enough. She she would take all the credit she can get, but the truth is, and and she was an important figure, um, for better or for worse. But
2: uh, in the forties, a lot of the my, my point is the, to... the
0: the yeah. whipping. My point is the scapegoat of the sure. uh, yes. of the religious right of the moral majority. Yeah. Um, always going to be us is is not really
2: because a lot of religious people probably had some sympathies with those damn Jehovah's Witnesses saying they wouldn't say under God or pledge allegiance Mm -hmm. to the flag even though they say well this is you know they're a bunch of commie whatever but I think in in some sense a lot of the religious people thought if they're doing it for a religious conviction that's okay okay. (laughs) because yeah I wouldn't want to be going against my religious convictions but if an atheist says I'm not going to pledge allegiance under God because I don't believe in God, mm-hmm. then you lose the sympathy right. of a lot
1: of people. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
2: So, so but can I take issue, though, with some things Prothro's? was in?
0: Absolutely. Because I would like to as well.
2: I thought, first of all, I thought that his history was a bit tendentious, <laughs> and that he played free and lose, <laughs> free and easy with a lot of the facts. So, yeah. you know, like, for example, he talks about, though the country seems to be shifting with the direction of the nuns, that most of those people are not in fact atheists and he – if I can quote, he says um, – he mentions that nine out of the ten of these no-religion no types actually pray and the nuns in short are about as irreligious as your average nun and UN, nun. and So he says that the Euro style atheists and agnostics are few and far between. Now, he is technically true in that most people who say none or uh, no particular religion are not spiritual, atheists, But – If you look at surveys, even the percentage of atheists and agnostics has increased. So a few decades ago, two percent, and then you know now four. Now we're at six. It actually, if you consider that, even the people that are completely non-religious have increased Actively as well but his yeah. book very downplays all that and says that we're still a religious yeah. country and these people don't matter essentially he says that the you know and he actually in regards in, in regards to what we're talking about with religious knowledge he's making it seem as if the atheists are the ones who don't know about religion and that's one of the reasons why we need religious education turns out well, he's wrong turn, again he's wrong about that and here's the other tendentious part when he talks about he goes on a rant for pages about how important religious uh, religion is to the country with various movements like mm-hmm. civil rights or whatnot. But in each piece, he he I think he overplays his hand, you know. And this yeah. maybe this is nitpicking, but when he talks about, he says even George Washington placed his hand on the, on the Bible and and said, "So help me God." That's not true. It was never documented uh, by anybody right. uh, that that George Washington said that it was added later on. Mm-hmm. Or when he says um, that. The Jain concepts, the Indian sect, uh, inspired Gandhi's campaign for Indian independence and the U.S. civil rights movement. Uh, Emerson, civil disobedience uh, inspired Gandhi about about principled opposition and nonviolent resistance, not just with the Jain part of it. So in each case, he's sort of stripping away the muddled truth of, yes, there were religious elements, but also there were nonreligious elements.
0: Yeah, I found that too. It, it almost seemed like he thinks we should be Puritans <laughs> again. I mean, I, I know he does to Eden. I know he wouldn't. Right. He didn't. He wouldn't actually defend that. But
2: yeah, he's just in the past. This Edenic past that he says that the the colonists and the Pilgrims really had this religious knowledge and we don't. But did the founders of the country were they distinguished by their extra religious knowledge from the Puritans or were they distinguished by their secular knowledge from the, right. From the Pilgrims? Right. Right. If everybody had been like John Edwards, Cotton Mather type. Bible knowledge, get a PhD in the Bible and nothing else. Do you think that does he really right. think that our country yeah, exactly. would have been better off as opposed to Jeffersonian knowledge of the Bible and right. Greek and Latin and, and, Locke. That's and so farming so and architecture? That's what I want. Yeah, yeah that's, I agree.
0: That's where I was going because when when he's talking when he starts talking about the shifts in, in the in higher education especially. The fact that theology was downgraded and science upplayed and practical knowledge like agriculture was (sighs) upplayed,
1: he he
0: seems to treat that as if this is this terrible thing. If he's focusing at it so narrowly from the side of religious literacy for religious literacy's sake, I guess I could see, but does religious literacy
2: – What has it achieved? What yeah, was,
0: does that, does that, that mean achieve? that it should be – that religion should be crammed into every area of the curriculum and that it should be – It was in my high It should be the highest priority I mean for,
2: I was with of, him when he, when he made it arguments like – absurd. When when he made arguments like people use the Bible to talk about using the death penalty and had they looked at other parts of the Bible that say that you right. should turn the other cheek. I was right. like, yeah, right. Well, yeah, if, of course. if people are going to use – Religion, they should know something about all religions. Same thing with slavery
1: and and women's suffrage. You, you know, you can select quotes for on either side.
2: Yeah. But is just simply raw knowledge presenting p- kids with a here's the influence of Bible and history. Did you really think that that's likely to accomplish right. that? Right. Unless you also say, I mean, I had we were all products of like a, I had a parochial education and we learned catechism and about the Bible. That's one of the reasons I'm biblically literate. Mm-hmm. But we never we never learned where who wrote the Bible. Yeah. When was it compiled? Right. Where did it come from?
0: I've met people who are going on to teach seminary. They've graduated from seminary, and they're going on to teach in seminary, and they've never actually read the resurrection accounts right. um, yeah. um, the next to each in other. It's way you
2: learn something. Now, they
0: could tell you all sorts of things about the minutia of Catholic theology.
2: And cross-referencing mm-hmm. this Bible, right. this verse in Hebrews was Paul's way to say that. That doesn't teach you, though, about, about, yeah, about right. other types of factual knowledge that I think are more important, as in... What is this document? Where yeah. does it come yeah. from?
1: Yeah, I actually did learn who wrote the books of the Bible, but they were all lies. Like Luke was uh, – or Mark was the boy who had his clothing pulled off him in the Garden of Gethsemane, which I believe uh, Cliff referenced in your debate. And um, that that um, Deuteronomy was actually written by – Moses. Moses and, and just as, in as the last died. few
2: verses. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. problem there. So yeah. clearly religious, yeah. simply raw religious knowledge, I think, what, what type of thing he's recommending. Uh, I'm with him on part of his thing of people do need to know more, so I'm not disputing that, but they it's don't just need trans- to know more, yeah. period. It's yes.
0: gonna. It's not going to necessarily translate into the civic knowledge that he wants. Can his you, whole if, argument for why religious literacy is important is because it will help us become better citizens. Yeah, but, but the type of religious literacy he's talking about may not have have any clear benefit. No, because what in people will do
2: is select the part. Can you imagine, like, even if we had a national curriculum of here's things you need to know, like this quiz, here's the things that you need to know, My Maimonides was Jewish or whoever. Can you see that that in Texas or someplace being the teacher that's actually going to implement that? Do you really think that that's going to be presented in an even handed yeah. way? Yep, yep.
0: Yeah. Another one of my criticisms was uh, his treatment of the secularization thesis. He hated it. Yeah, and and to me, I mean, the, the, that's still an open question in my mind. But he seems to think that it's completely dead, and uh, and I thought the evidence that he was using for that actually countered his point more than it supported his point.
2: Yeah, we've talked about like in sociology and people like Rodney Stark in the back in the 60s or in the 70s were saying that as science would advance, that religion would retreat and that societies mm-hmm. be, would become more secular, like Europe. Obviously that didn't happen in the 70s and 80s. We saw yeah. the rise of the religious right. And so Prothrow was saying and – he, and he seems to have an issue with, which is odd, academics. Like look at these cold, arid academics in their ivory tower of secularity. They think the world was going to be secular and it wasn't. So they're a bunch yeah. of fools. We were wrong.
0: Yeah. But what he doesn't pay attention to is the United States is is an outlier. Right. It goes against yeah. the norm. He, he makes the case that what needs to be explained is why Europe is so but non-religious. But that's the
1: majority.
0: But as we've argued in many episodes before and talking about a lot of the data on religious belief in here versus Europe, it's America that's the outlier.
2: Right. Well, and he seems <laughs> the to be, rest
0: of Europe does seem to be following that trend.
2: He's kind of taken a populist mode of the elites are secular but the common people aren't. Yeah, And that he yeah. says like one of his quotes was that euro secularity is rampant in both higher education and the media textbook publishing's two homes. The former answers to the enlightenment and the latter to romanticism, but neither takes religion as seriously as the American public does. You, know, hmm. you could argue, yes, the American public does take religion seriously, and they, but we've also seen they're vacuous in their knowledge.
0: That's where I was going with that. You can't say the secularization thesis is wrong um, because we clearly improved in knowledge and understanding and and technology and science – and religion was still here. <laughs> if anything, the fact that strong levels of belief are maintained by deep amounts of religious ignorance yeah. is, is what his book seems to be concluding.
2: And as we've covered before. And in uns- Europe
0: where it's not the case, they are more educated even in regards to the religions they don't believe in.
2: And as we've talked about in the program with unstable societies and that to yeah. the degree the society provides – uh, uh provides st- structure and support and health care and all that stuff and, and welfare. People will become – it's just like we were talking about earlier in the show about the distinction between knowledge, emotional type belief and, and mm. knowledge. Yes, America has retained an emotional adherence without intellectual content probably because it's an unstable country with a lot of poor, desperate people. Yeah. and And Europe has both – well, you'd argue actually that Europe has high knowledge. He even mentions in the book that a lot of people that go to school in Europe are seculars and atheists themselves but then say – and know more about religion than mm-hmm. Americans do. Right, right, So there they have the knowledge. I would argue that they would have the knowledge and low levels of belief because they have a stable society.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so I think his crit- criticisms there, he's overstating his case and not, not recognizing that his own information that he's bringing to this issue could actually – Speak against his his position there. So, Prothro. Yes. Well, we did invite Prothro on the show. <laughs> we should say that. Yeah, I, I feel like 60 uh, minutes. We did offer. Yeah.
2: No offer was responded to. <laughs> we chose to do a hatchet piece instead. We we, we did get.
0: <laughs> we we did try to get him on the show uh, to uh, to discuss these things, but. Um, for whatever reason, he he never replied. It's because he's scared. That's why. <laughs> no, no. I he's a busy guy, and yeah. we're a pretty small outfit. Yeah, uh, I just for anybody who was like, well, you're picking on Prothro, you should have him on. We tried, we
1: tried, we still picked on him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. regardless, <laughs> we did try. Let's take a look at the shit list this week, shall we? Um, We've got a few entries here starting off, and this is a a story that has really gotten legs in the last uh, few weeks around here, which I'm glad for because it's uh, something that we need to be looking at more and talking about more, and that's the issue of bullying. There has been an enormous number of uh, mostly young men, uh, some women as well, Uh, committing suicide, high school, college students, um, even younger, who have been bullied for a long time and and then took their own lives. Um, We have the young man who was videotaped having sex with another man, and it was broadcast live over the Internet by his roommate and another classmate.
0: That that was only one of many cases. Only one of many. But that
1: sure did seem to really – Such an invasion of privacy, such a – I mean – this goes beyond regular schoolyard bullying, which is right. something that needs to be addressed, of course. But this is this is an easy case to look at and go, here's the act that, that led to this young man's death. Yeah,
0: and I think everybody could
1: understand how awful that right. could make a person well, feel and how that could drive Well, you would think everyone could. But yeah, of course, you'd, since you'd this think. is the shit list, um, we have a man named Robert Peters. Uh, Robert Peters, who is – He's a spokesman for Morality in Media, Morality. a Christian
0: media group committed to attacking obscenity and pornography Yes, in and the media.
1: And this comes from an article from the Christian Newswire, the most Christian of all newswires, um, entitled – and this had me laughing already – U.S. Department of Education concerned about bullying and harassment, but not about rampant campus pornography linked to both. So Robert Peters says, uh, quote – I must confess I have more than a little difficulty understanding why in this day and age a university student would commit suicide simply because another student secretly filmed and disseminated live over the internet his intimate sexual encounter with another man. He goes on to say, isn't consensual sex good regardless of whether it is straight or gay or somewhere in between? Hasn't it become commonplace for individuals to videotape their sexual exploits with or without the consent of other people or persons involved? Don't colleges and universities also provide students with unrestricted access to the Internet so that they can view all kinds of hardcore pornography, including websites that specialize in Voyeur porn and public sex porn, and websites that depict live performances via webcam. Exercise and missing the point. And here's the kicker. Check this out. And Luke, since you teach courses in sexuality, tell me if this is true. Don't colleges and universities also invite sex workers to campus, and often, and offer courses in which students view hardcore pornography, visit sexually orientated businesses, and create their own hardcore pornography? Don't colleges and universities allow students to publish pornographic magazines and use school facilities to show hardcore pornography films?
2: Well, actually, I was going to mention I had a grant project I was writing uh, that uh, got turned down. I don't know why. I put it on the dean's desk and I haven't heard anything from it.
0: It was because it involved horses, yeah. the, the, the licensing, and I'm everything
1: sure. else, or, or the,
2: camels if you're uh, in the Muslim world. Yeah. I'm not sure anybody has throwing themselves off bridges though because of excess pornography exposure. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, on the other, the thing that shocks me about the other Christian groups too is that a lot of them know that the tide of public opinion has has turned decisively against them, and that this is an issue. They probably, if I was them, I would just shut up and just don't shoot yourself in the foot. But people like Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council, I also mm-hmm. heard his statement right. saying they want to make it seem as if it's bully. gay bullying is the problem, but really these people had maladjustment from other sources. Yeah. you know. And clearly in defiance of the literature we've talked about before, which shows there's a direct relationship between the acceptance of somebody and the suicidal ideation of the homosexual. That is, teens and young people from families that accept their homosexuality are mentally healthy. Teens from family, uh, families that reject them are the ones who have suicidal right. ideation. Ooh, that's right?
0: not what Tony Perkins of the Family Research well, Council says. <laughs> he says there's, quote, no correlation mm-hmm. between inacceptance of I homosexuality and depression and suicide. Uh, I just because I want you to realize what an ass Tony Perkins right, is. Right. I'll continue reading just a little bit further. These young people who identify as gay or lesbian, we know from the social science that they have a higher propensity to depression or suicide
2: because of that internal
0: conflict. Because homosexuality internal conflict is abnormal, by... he says, and kids know it, which leads to despair.
2: Because of the conflict, uh, I'd like to point to a study by Ryan et al., 2009, which showed that, again, family rejection of homosexuality is directly linked to suicidal attempts and ideation. Mm Bull.
1: Homosexual agenda. It's not that they're they're being bullied about being gay, it's that they're beating themselves up because they know that this is somehow evil.
2: Well saying that it's internal conflict simply kicks the can down the road and saying, why do they have internal conflict? Exactly.
1: Right. Exactly. <clears throat> now there have been some and I guess this would go on the props list, there are actually some evangelical groups who are Softening their anti homosexual stance
2: or apologizing or
1: apologizing even um, including Exodus International, which is a gay conversion group um, has stepped away from the day of truth, which is um, celebrated by uh, Christian high school students high school and, and younger students who for one day will express the true evil of homosexuality in school. Um, And the Exodus group has backed off from that and said – It was
2: planned to be in in contrast to the day of coming out. Day of silence
1: Mm -hmm. and and, um, coming out day, yes. Alan Chambers from the Exodus International group says, he now believes it is better for Christian kids to show, quote, biblical tolerance and grace than to condemn.
2: Well, that's Which is nice, but step I in the right direction. Can, there's yeah. a certain level of expediency here and again uh, yep. that yeah. public opinion clearly has shifted on this issue. Yes. In fact, in contrast to a lot of other social views, this one has really shown a marked change. Definitely.
0: This, this is Barbara Bradley Haggerty, too, I trying know, to it's... mine fundamentalist evangelical Christian groups for any single one of them that shows a little bit more exactly. compassion yep. than people like Robert well, Peters or Tony Perkins. Right. It also reminds me of the same thing that we're seeing with the Catholic abuse scandal.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean,
0: there too, the, you're evading responsibility by yep. trying to attack the, the same old scapegoats. Yes. The, the problem isn't with our institution – uh, the problem isn't with how we're handling the scandal. Uh, the problem is the sexual revolution of the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Right. The problem is the homosexual agenda. It's
1: pornography. Forcing, forcing it's, us to molest yeah. children.
0: It's the same old tired scapegoating
1: and evasion of
0: responsibility.
1: And I think one salient point uh, that, that um, they do make in this story from NPR is that a lot of these kids who are committing suicide after being bullied for being gay are not necessarily gay.
0: That was a good point. They I mean up.
1: it's not it, – it, this is not the internal conflict of, oh, I'm gay and that's sinful. I have to kill myself. This is kids who are getting bullied and I don't know about you guys but when I was in high school and middle school and elementary school, homo- homophobia is the core of bullying.
2: Yeah, anybody who's smaller or weaker or more effeminate. They're a is, fag.
1: They're, gay Wad was the big one when I was in school. Did you, did you get that one, Jeremy? Gay wad.
0: I wasn't involved in theater, so I don't think I got it as much <laughs> no. as you. But, uh, um, but yeah, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, I, I mean this I was,
0: is – I was called a a, a fag or, or right. something just for
2: I was sitting out of the weightlifting I was sitting in a locker for asking them to define gym. operationally yeah. what in fact constitutes Gay Wad. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that was a great point. Some of these kids who are who are committing suicide aren't even gay right <laughs>
1: they even
2: they've a, just um, been
0: attacked <clears throat> so many times. <throat> mm-hmm because of the perception that they are.
2: There's a lot of topical things now with that because they had – you know the ABC series that does the bystander camera thing, What Would You Do? They plant a hidden oh, camera and they have like situations to yeah, yeah. see if people react. They had one on would people intervene to stop the kids from, from bullying a gay kid. So they had like a
1: oh, – kids whoa. planted with microphones and they had a that. kid
2: who was being called gay and shoved around and they took his backpack and everything and then they just watched passers-by. And actually they couldn't get hardly anybody to intervene. It's not as if people joined in but they just right. sort of walked by and said it's yeah. not my business. And and,
1: and, and we're seeing that with even schools themselves who won't intervene and will say it either whether it's based in their own bias or they just want to stay out because teachers don't want to get in trouble. Uh, well there's this confusion on the policies. As far as curriculum is concerned, they
0: are supposed to stay neutral. This is a culture war issue. They yes. want they don't want the teachers teaching in their curriculum, look, homosexuality is Normal. It's good. Everyone
1: be gay. It's immoral
0: to right. criticize it. They they want to stay neutral as far as the curriculum is concerned. Well, then some teachers then think when it's a bullying issue. We have to be neutral. We have to maintain that neutrality, which, it's, which is idiotic. It is, yeah. If you saw a kid getting his ass kicked because he was wearing a creationism t-shirt right, sure. or something and he was being taunted maliciously for believing in how That's ridiculous should, religious belief is. Yeah. Of course a teacher would step in and intervene.
1: And to me, I doubt these teachers are actually conflicted over what the rule is so much as they're saying, well, they said I have to be neutral. So I'm choosing to stay out of this because I don't actually want to defend the little gay kid at, we, at, Maybe I'm being too harsh We can actually that,
2: Empirically study this I'm going to have Jeremy Put a t-shirt on That says oh, Creationist And then have him Get beat up Outside of school And then another condition Where he's wearing A P-flag t-shirt Or something like <laughs> pink, <laughs> pink rainbow yeah. And have him get beat up And then we'll see We'll have a stopwatch. And we'll see how long It takes for people To intervene I think this could be of, fun A, in fact, a lot
0: of Research that involves me Has <laughs> me dressing up In different
2: t-shirts and I, I volunteer to, to beat him up <laughs> Just uh, Jeremy your wire's Working good Just keep talking So We're in the van a couple hundred yards down the street. I'm feeling a lot of anti-Jeremy sentiment Uh, in the studio today. Hey, Debate Boy. You think you're you're better than me? (laughs) Yeah,
1: you got so much love over the debate. We got to take it down a notch. Who hit
2: you Uh, now, Debate Boy?
1: And on a lighter note on the shit list is uh, Robert Schuller's Crystal Cathedral. Which, by the way, is the best church in the world because it looks like Superman's Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> and that, that to me is a selling point. Um, and
2: his TV show The Hour of Power hour is now of... down to half an hour of power because <laughs> of, we have to have the hour of power shut off because we can't afford our bills. Half or, an
1: hour of impotence. Quarter hour at half power. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Apparently, so financial problems.
1: Yeah. They have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy because um, – It's a lot
2: of heat to – the furnace heat to heat all that stuff going through the crystals. That's, Not
0: very – very energy efficient, having a <laughs> <laughs> <That's true>. vaulted <laughs> ceiling
2: with uh, you know.
0: Those who live in glass churches have high heating bills. They and not, they don't pay any taxes on any they, of that. They stuff don't pay either. any
1: taxes, and mm, um, sure. now, uh, unfortunately, they're they're living off credits, cash only, um, and they're trying to make it by on the two million dollars they get a month in donations. Oh. But the real shit list here is not only did Robert Schuler go to his parishioners and ask them to double their tithing to help out here, you know, all those poor people who don't get $2 million a month, please give twice as much as you're giving right now to the church. But as this was going on, uh, Sheila Schuler Coleman, who is the cathedral's senior pastor, daughter of Robert Schuler, and um, I believe she runs things now. Shortly after they declared bankruptcy, she went on a $3,000 cruise ship to follow the, the path of the Apostles. So she can spend $3,000 on a cruise? All the
2: apostles had was a pair of freaking sandals.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you want to follow sand. the
2: apostles.
1: Let me tell you,
2: yeah. it's pretty
0: discount travel.
2: Yeah, doesn't
0: but, require three grand on a cruise. you got your
2: walking staff and sandals.
0: <laughs> Re- Take only
2: a staff and sandals with you.
0: Yeah. Ridiculous. 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 You can eat some wild honey and locusts, and uh, <laughs> that will keep your food budget down.
1: And now, A Stranger Than Fiction. Founding fathers were antichrists, says New Film.
0: Yeah. Uh, this one's from the Christian Newswire.
1: Most Christian of all newswires.
0: I, I initially – I looked this up just because the headline was intriguing. Yeah. And and the first the first line, I was actually pretty encouraged by what I was yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah. The f- first line was uh, – Because well, all
2: yours perk up when we hear antichrist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I want to meet this man.
0: Yeah, positive associations That's all right. around. That's right. It begins by saying – While Glenn Beck and David Barton are shouting that conservatives need to take back America, a Christian filmmaker asks the question, take it back to what? And I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, sweet. So it's finally occurring to some people in the far religious right movement Mm -hmm. that if you study what our founders actually believed, they weren't very Christian, not not Christian in in the way that
1: they were (laughs) anti-Christ. Yeah. Because if
2: you're not Christian enough.
1: That puts you into the so I thought
0: this was, anymore. you know, I thought this was going to be a conservative religious documentary that right. actually exposed the fact yes. that many of the founders were Deists, many of them were, were Unitarians, right. many of them were closer to what we'd call today secular humanists mm-hmm. than
1: evangelical Christians. The hidden faith of the founding fathers is yes. the name of the documentary.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's not its take at all.
1: The director of the film, Christian J. Pinto just a great name. says, quote, this newest work really brings together so much of the research we've been unfolding. It shows further how the United States was planned from the beginning to help launch a global society, the New World Order. Yeah. yeah. Anytime someone says New World Order, you know they're a crackpot. Yeah. Is this because uh, they
2: were they were Freemasons or uh, – No, no. No, no. That's too here. easy.
1: Apparently the doctrine of religious
0: freedom <laughs> –
2: yeah.
0: Of course, they note it's not biblical, right? Because the Bible doesn't teach religious freedom.
2: Freedom or death. Which they're – yeah,
0: they're right about that. They're right about that. So where did this doctrine come from if it didn't come from Christianity? (laughs) Well, here's what Pinto says. Quote, the doctrine had been designed by the Vatican and the Jesuit order in England back in 1688. Their real purpose was to empower the Church of Rome to be in a position to overthrow England. The English Protestants rejected the idea, but Rome manipulated the revolutionaries to write it into the U.S. Constitution.
1: Because <laughs> of all the revolutionaries that were staunch Catholics. Catholics. Yes. Yeah. So apparently
0: what? when Thomas Paine was writing uh, The Rights of Man and, and – And in jail
2: and, well, in Revolutionary Paris. Yeah,
0: yeah. He he had a little Roman Catholic over well, his shoulder he, he whispering says, all this stuff into his ear.
2: He says
1: here, the destruction of the gospel was the desire of men like Thomas Jefferson along with John Adams and Thomas Paine. By biblical – Biblical definition, they were anti They commended the morality of Jesus but hated the teaching that he is Son of God. Others, like Washington and Franklin, while less hostile toward Christianity, sought to subvert the gospel through universalism. Most Christians in our country uh, don't realize that the concept of religious freedom is not biblical, <laughs> he says. It is not an inalienable right given by God. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible does God say that men have the right to worship whatever God they please. Well, see, they're getting part of it right. They are. But it's just funny to me
0: that it's it's wrapped up in this whole conspiracy theory about the new world order and yep. everything else like that. Maybe this
2: is the psychologist me, but I want to find like a small waiting room with a lock on the door, and then put like David Barton and 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 Glenn Beck <laughs> in the room, and then say, oh, we'll be back in a minute, and then take this guy and shove him in there, like lock, lock the door and, <laughs> and learn, smack and him spend, on the cheek a couple of times, spend the weekend together, in. and like tape it all about how they, you know, I'm a Christian, me too. <laughs> and we, the founding fathers will bring us back to Christ. Wait, no, 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 no he's no, the Antichrist. No. christ I'll kill you.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Until next time, send us your comments, questions, challenges, etc. to doubtcast at gmail.com. Go to our forum for some good discussion, doubtcast.forummotion.net. Uh, find us and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at slash doubtcast. Buy a shirt at zazzle.com slash doubtcast. If you like what you hear, please write us a review on iTunes, or more importantly, share the show with a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time with more Reasonable Doubts, your skeptical guide to religion. now, your Werner Herzog Moment of Despair. Enjoy! There
2: is
0: no harmony in the universe. We have to get acquainted to this idea that there is no real harmony as we have conceived it. We are cursed with what we are doing here. It's a land that God, if he exists, has, has created in anger taking a close look at at what's around us, there, there is some sort of a harmony. It is the harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. And we have to become humble in front of this overwhelming misery and overwhelming fornication.